ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time for What Do You Call It Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of What Do You Call It Podcast. I'm your host, GB, and I'm back with another guest. And this guest is the man who sold the world. He's the final gladiator and dream crusher. Please give it up for Idle Hines. How you doing today, mate? You all right? I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. As I said before, we As I said before we start recording, I'm happy. Arsenal won 6-0, so I cannot complain at all. And I get to talk to you. Uh, for the next uh, 30, 40 minutes, so it should be a laugh. Hope you're doing well today. To kickstart the show, I'd like to go back to the beginning and ask you, how did you discover professional wrestling? Um, my mom told me that it was when I was three, as long as I can remember. I remember getting up on you know Saturdays and Sundays and watching, what was it, Wrestling Challenge and Superstars and on Saturday and Sunday, and I'd stay up late night on Fridays and watch the... Sat or the main or on Saturday, I guess, and watch some Saturday night main event. Mm-hmm. And I've just been hooked ever since. Kids my age wanted to grow up and you know be like Deion Sanders and Michael Jordan. I just wanted to be Bruiser Brody. Oh, fair play. So, may have starts with my next question. I was going to ask, did you have any favorites growing up? Was Bruce so Bruiser Brody, I assume, was one of them. Um, but did you have any other favorites? I did. The way I watched wrestling really was backwards. I'd watch all the superstars and all that stuff, like all the all the shows that came on TV. And then I'd go rent pay-per-views like later, like after they had already come out, because once they came to the video stores, I'd go watch those. And I'd every time I went to the video store, I'd always rent some kind of wrestling something or other. Yeah. Um, and I had never even there the only the only thing I had of Bruiser Brody was Somebody got me, I was probably like four or five, and somebody got me this wrestling tape called um, Rock and Roll Wrestling, and it was out of Memphis, and it was all just like music videos just featuring like a few wrestlers, and it's really like super cheesy 80s, but it's really awesome at the same time. Like, I still watch it and love it. Like, they finally put it up on YouTube so I can watch it. I don't have a a VCR anymore. So, but that's how I found Bruiser Brody because he's like the one of the first music videos on there. I was like, whoa, that guy's mm. freaking insane. And it was all just, you know, highlights of him booting people in the face and dropping his big knee drop. And just that whole video had me hooked. So, I mean, I mainly watched WWF, but I mean, I knew there was other wrestling out there. I mm-hmm. just didn't really have as much access to it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Joe, what's scary, by the way, there are listeners right now. When they listen to this episode, that don't have a clue what a VCR is or a videotape store. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, so I did it cough then? You. Oh no, sorry. I was saying, do you know what's you're, funny? You're I think we might be delayed at the moment, but I was just saying, do you know what's funny? Um there are listeners that do not have a clue what a VCR is or a videotape store. I myself, I grew up on the VHSs and that's how I discovered <laughs> wrestling. And I would borrow them off my brother or blockbusters, but there are listeners that are young enough that just look no idea what we're talking about. Um, but no, that's cool, man. So you was generally a WWF guy, 
I'm sure I'm showing my age. I'm showing my age. <laughs> no, nah, that's cool, man. That's cool. Um, <laughs> you were actually trained by UFC Hall of Famer and wrestling legend Dan Severin. That's fucking awesome. Uh, which wrestling school did you go to? I was. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it was called Michigan Sports Camps, is what he had it called. Um, is this old, dirty building behind his house, which is the training facility. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it was like dirty. It was just like it was an older building. He had, you know, there was two wrestling rings there. They had a bunch of like, it looked like a giant, you know, like in high school, like the wrestling rooms where all yeah. the walls are padded and there's like wrestling mats on the floor. When you first walk in, it's like that. And that must have been quite wall a wall, like wrestling mats. And then there's a ring in the one corner. And then you go in the other room and there's like this like prehistoric weight, weight equipment in there. Like, mm just like raw, like dirty gym. And then you go in this other room and there's like a boxing ring. And then there's um, like punching bags and all that stuff, like hanging up in there. And then on the floor in there is like the infamous blue mat that we, we just called it a blue mat. It's just this blue wrestling mat. And it's about, it's like probably like 16 by 16. So that was, that was pretty much the training facility. He was the, he was the main trainer. Um, he approved. He had to approve everything. Mm-hmm. Um, my other trainer, the the other main trainer there was um, Josh Abercrombie or Josh Raymond. And, um, yeah, so that was that. It was all, like, super dojo style. Mm. Um, you had to take your shoes off before you went in. And in order to even get into the actual wrestling ring, there was like what I said, the blue mats. You had to pass like five blue mat matches. And basically what that is, is it couldn't be longer. It had to be like a, at least five minutes, mm-hmm. no longer than 10. And it had to, you know, basically be a passable match. And Dan, you know, Dan would sit in there and give like the final approval, like if it was a passable match or not. That was before you could even get into the wrestling ring. We learned how to um, do all our, bu- you know, learn how to bump and fall and, do everything on just the regular wrestling mats before we could even get in the ring. Bloody hell. Sounds like, don't get me wrong, it sounds rewarding, but it sounds a lot more stricter than other wrestling schools. Sort of, you like, you have to want it to really sort of, you know, become a wrestler. What was, what were some of the other biggest challenges that you had to encounter um, at the wrestling school? At the, uh, the, at the wrestling school? Yeah. Um, well, the, I got, I trained for about, it was probably about eight months, I want to say, before I could get in the ring. I'd go there twice a week. It was about an hour away from my house. So just driving all that time. Back in, it was back in 2006 when I started training. And that was right around the time that gas prices were really jacked up high. So that that was a little bit of a challenge to make sure I got up there. But I went, you know, twice a, twice a week, every week for, you know, eight months. And, and then... Uh, I finally was able to get in the ring and that was just Dan had to be there to approve the matches. So I couldn't always have like a blue mat match. I actually only not to like brag on myself, but I actually (laughs) only failed like one. So I had six blue mat matches. Jesus. That's cool, man. I've never heard that sort of style of training before. So it's always good to hear a different story of sort of, you know, learn the craft. I I wrestled this guy named, uh, I wrestled this guy, Money Mike. He was this hilarious dude. But his gimmick was he was just always, like, hustling and trying to make money or whatever. But 
he uh i went to give him the you know the backbreaker that randy orton does where the guy he like grabs his head and he drapes him across his back yeah yeah i went to give him that and he spiked himself on his head so that's what ultimately made me like fail the match because they said not to do stuff you don't know how to do the guy ended up spiking himself. That's what got it. Other than that, I mean, that was all really challenges of it. I loved going there. Mm. Um, I kept going there until I got I got injured pretty early in my career. I tore my patellar tendon. It'd probably been a little bit over a year after I started. I tore my patellar tendon, so that set me back. Yeah. Jesus, man, that was and that early in your career as well to sort of, um, yeah. sort of have an injury like um, you probably don't necessarily do think what? about it. But I was just going to say, like in terms of an injury that early on in your career, you don't you probably may think you're sort of you know untouchable that this this can't happen to you until later on, but that would happen to you. Um, what other sort of what have been some of the other worst injuries that you have suffered in wrestling? Um, I tore my see. I went up to <laughs> my trainer's like, hey, we're going to go to this show on Saturday. So I got to, <laughs> I'm going to age myself again. This is before <laughs> Facebook. Okay. MySpace was a thing. And I mean, that was kind of like a good way to get bookings, but it hadn't really taken off yet. Yeah. So basically everything was all word of mouth and it was meeting people and, you know, getting people's phone numbers and, you know, all that. So basically my trainer's like josh abercrombie he's like we're gonna go up to this show or whatever on saturday he's like you know meet us up at the training facility and then uh come up to my house i had to pick up another guy so i went up to his house he lives about two hours away mm -hmm. so we get there and he's like oh yeah we're gonna go do this to this to whatever like i don't know we went to like this festival thing or whatever i don't know that's irrelevant but so then we started and then we left to go to the show we're driving and it's like taking forever. He's like, Oh, no, no, it's not too far. It's not too far. It's not too far. So finally, we get there like four and a half hours later. <laughs> it's like all the way up. Like, I don't know how well, you're probably not familiar with like Michigan because I, I was in Indiana. Mm. And it's like all the way up, like almost to the top of Michigan. <laughs> so we go there and me and me and the guy I picked up, we uh, had a tag team match with um some other guys that were pretty new mm. it was um mr chainsaw pro wrestling is what it was love the name and uh <laughs> it's a yeah it's a crazy name it's just like all the way up in like the middle of nowhere in michigan and it's like a hockey town but they put on pretty good shows they bring in a bunch of people I'm trying to think like jimmy jacobs managed us on that show as a tag team like zach gowan was on the show um, I'm trying to think who else was on the show. There's a bunch of people. They book a they book all kinds of people. So we get in this match and we're wrestling and I go to body slam this guy and I slam him and then I don't know if there was like something wrong with the ring, but like when my knee hit, like I just felt something really weird and painful mm -hmm. and I couldn't like stand up. I kind of fell down and couldn't stand up and I couldn't straighten my leg was the weird thing. And then so I you know, limped off and went to the hospital and they told me that I tore my patellar tendon. So that was a good eight months before I came back. And then a year and a half later, I gave a dude a uh, 
inverted atomic drop and tore my other one. Oh, I got the worst luck. <laughs> I know, right? I know, right? So that happened. So now I finally recovered from that. My knees are great now. They both got fixed. And I mean, that was that was a long time ago now. I mean, just to come back from one, like that's that, you know, in a way, like a miracle, but to have it twice in sort of <laughs> a short space of time, you know. Yeah. Okay, now, man. I, yeah. I do applaud you. Applaud and it's, you. Such a, <laughs> it's such a rare injury, too. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. It's such a rare injury, too. Like, it's not a normal thing for people to tear that. Like, mm. so that was whatever. But I mean, I came back. I mean, I've had other little injuries, um, nothing that really sidelined me. I um, hurt my tailband or my, my tailband. My, uh, I hurt my tailbone really bad. Hmm. at um iwa mid-south i got pushed off a ladder and there was i think like eight people in the match so there was like seven other dudes on the floor and i got pushed off the ladder and missed all of them but like one and a half and i landed like hips first and i think i don't know if i broke my tailbone or just bruised it really bad but that was pretty painful luckily i didn't have any shows for like a few weeks so i just kind of suffered through that see i i tore my i don't know if i tore it or i never went to the doctor for it my uh tricep a guy like threw me off the top rope and i landed really weird on my arm Mm. and i had this giant bruise on my tricep and uh it hurt really bad so i think i i don't know if i tore it or if it was just like i mean that's really Everything that was that's really significant. I mean, everything hurts. Um, lots of aches and pains and bumps and bruises. And I'm always. I mean, I'm always in pain. <laughs> There's a reason why I sit here and talk to <laughs> as opposed to do what you do. But I have the most up respect for you guys, honestly. But yeah, I'll, I'll just sit here. I appreciate you... <laughs> it. Uh, I, may I appreciate it. Brushed um, over, by the way. I was going to ask. Oh, sorry, mate. Sorry, mate. Didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're fine. Ask me, ask away. What I was just going to ask, because I think I basically brushed over, and I always like to ask my guests this, because you hear different stories, but I actually want to ask about your official debut in wrestling. And I just want to ask, basically, do you remember the, the experience? Was it a good experience? Uh, did you have any friends or family? That, I can tell just by the smile right away, we, you know, there's going to be something interesting said. Well, <laughs> I, did, I did wrestle once before I went to Dan Severn School, this isn't the match I'm going to talk about for my actual debut, but mm-hmm. this is pretty funny in itself, I think. I started training when I first got out of high school, and with a uh, it was just kind of like a local guy that was a couple towns away. A buddy, a buddy of mine at school, he was kind of training to wrestle, and he got me hooked up with him or whatever. So he was kind of training me. I went to probably like four training sessions. And then uh, they had, like, a little show. There was two paying fans. Um, I didn't have, like, real wrestling gear. Mm-hmm. I had, like, some cool, like, silver. I thought they were really cool anyways. <laughs> I had, like, these cool, like, silver Adidas tearaway pants. <gasps> I remember them. Oh, they were so bad. <laughs> they were so cool, man. The silver ones, uh, badass. Oh, that's, I used to have them. Like, not the, that's and then the I had a uh, style. I used to love them as a kid. <laughs> And then I and then I had this what I thought this is me being you know eighteen, whatever. Um, I had this really cool like Punisher T-shirt. 
And I was like, yeah, I look like a badass. I look like <laughs> shit. Anyways. So we go out there and just have this little match. Like I didn't really do anything. Mm. Um, there was probably like two paying fans there. So that was like my first like actual like official wrestling match. But I wouldn't really consider that like my first official wrestling match. If that makes sense. Yeah, not get you, man. Not get you. <laughs> so uh, I did the, I did this stupid thing where uh, the guy came down on the apron and or I went and attacked the guy in the apron and then he went to give me a clothes from busting my head on the steps because I got overzealous and I was like, you know, I'm going to be cool and bump on the floor in front of two people. And I almost ended my career right there hitting my head on the steps. I'm a lot smarter now. But uh, my first actual match was at Price of Glory Wrestling. It was the wrestling promotion that was ran by at my hands facility. Um, the one guy that kind of ran the school, mm-hmm. he'd put on a show like Every, once a month on Sundays and Jimmy Jacobs was my manager there also. And I was going to wrestle this guy named, they called him firecracker, super like weird dude. I don't know. I, he's really hard to describe. He's like the skinny guy. Like he's not fitting the name says, Oh, he's never really <laughs> been that good. I hate to like, I'm not trying to be a dick, but like he knows, you know, whatever. He'll never listen to this. I don't even know what happened to him, but, um, <laughs> He's just a weird kid. Yeah. And, I mean, he paid to train there, so they trained him. He's not as bad as some of the other people that I've wrestled, honestly. But, uh, so I wrestled him, and they were dubbing it that uh, Jimmy Jacobs put it over as it's going to be the match of the century. It's going to be the best wrestling match. Like, I forget his promo. It was something about, like, you've seen Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat, but you haven't seen anything until this or something. And it was just, like, it was basically just me squashing him. But, that was that was basically my first match, and then everybody made fun of me because I that was my first match with him. Firecracker match of the century. <laughs> I've got the clip sort already, literally. <laughs> All right, it talks about firecracker. It's on YouTube somewhere. If you want to, it's on YouTube. Look for it. It's. I'm gonna be looking for that. I, I mean, and I will message you on yeah. Twitter once I've watched it. Be like firecracker i even uh i even let him do like this cool uh do what i'm sorry i'm gonna literally search on youtube message you on twitter after i found it and put hashtag firecracker you should people in the comments we want firecracker i even uh he even gave me like a cool cross body off the top rope like when i was on the floor yeah and then and then it was all bad news for him after that but uh yeah, <laughs> no, that's cool, man. That's cool. Uh, one person I've I wrestled. Oh, sorry, mate. I think I actually think there might be a no, delay no, at the moment. No, no, no. If you talk about who's going to wrestle, I think uh, at the moment, I think there is a delay at the moment between us. Uh, so I think sometimes when I'm going to say something, but I think it hasn't got to you just yet whilst you're talking. So I don't think I'm being rude. I do. I think there's a delay. I can't. I don't actually know what the. You're fine. How many seconds it is, but I'll let you continue. You can say you've also wrestled. I'm not going to cut. Oh, no, I was just going to say I wrestled, I wrestled a lot of matches there. Yeah. Um, I wrestled a lot of matches there. That was mainly where I wrestled. I'd pick up some other shows here and there. It was hard to find places to go back then. You just had to get word of mouth, hop in the car with people and go. Like, mm. it was a lot harder. No, nah, sweet, man. Uh, one person I did want to speak about is Congo Com, uh, who I know you've uh-huh. wrestled, and I'm a big fan of his work. And I spoke to someone else about him before. Really no, I can't remember his name now. That's gonna bug me. But anyway, I just want to ask you because you've been in the ring with him. What's he like to work with? He's great. He's great. 
I mean, just the, I've gone to like his, he has a training school. Um, I've gone to his training school quite a bit. He's, he's really good. Um, mm. I mean, he's big and he hits hard and, uh, you know, <laughs> I've wrestled him. Yeah. I've wrestled him a couple times. Um, actually at Price of Glory, what I was telling you about, we were, me and him were the, um, we were like the longest reigning or the longest consecutive, what is it? Like the longest consecutive days of holding the tag titles there. Mm -hmm. Like 400 and some days or something. And then that's when I blew out my knee and nobody ever beat us for the belts. But yeah, so he's, yeah, he's always a pleasure to work with. Um, I'd do it anytime. No, wicked, man. Uh, I actually believe you have a Virgil story. Uh, I heard you on another podcast before. Uh, Virgil, the... WWF superstar. <laughs> so I'm obsessed with Virgil. Lonely Virgil. A lot of wrestling fans might know. I love Virgil. Also, have you just seen what he did today? No. Okay. Once you finish this interview, go on Twitter and search Virgil. What he's done is he set up his merch table. Um, you know, with the Hollywood, uh, what you, call it? you know, when they get like um, the Hollywood start, the signs on the pavement. Mm -hmm. He set up a merch table on Vince McMahon's one with all these eight by tens and fair play. It's great marketing. I think it is, but I think, I think now he knows that he's a gimmick and he's just yeah. milking it now, but it's brilliant. I love it. Um, yeah. But I, I want to hear it from someone that's actually experienced Virgil in the I've, wrestling world. <laughs> I've ran into Virgil a few times. Oh man, um, you, you got to tell. <laughs> when, when I was in the army, I was in Korea and there was like a USO wrestling show and Virgil was on it and, I, that was when I first. That was when I first ran into him. Oh, um, cool, man! <laughs> and he wrestled. Uh, he wrestled this little skinny doink. Um, <laughs> this is the most random, just random people on the show. Like Norman Smiley was on the show. Virgil Disco Inferno was on the show. Like this is random. This sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, was who, I was trying to think who else. Like is somebody that you'd know that was on there, but yeah, Inferno. Norman Smiley, Fake Doink, and Virgil. And what's during the war? That's quality, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, is this on YouTube? No, I don't think so. It was just it was just a little like USO show. Um, but uh that's when I first met Norman Smiley too, and I told him that I had been training to be a wrestler, and he gave me like the test with the worker's handshake and all that or whatever. Um I didn't really talk to Virgil then. And uh, I ran into Virgil again. I randomly ran it because <laughs> I used to live in Maryland and there yeah. was this big giant mall whenever I was in the army too. And I was walking down the hall in the mall and I ran right into Virgil. And I was like, oh, hey, what's up? You're Virgil, whatever. Like, yeah. we met like back in Korea or whatever. He didn't remember, of course. <laughs> whatever. So then... uh I don't remember. I, I remember some of the conversation he was going on about how, like, him and T.D. Ortiz were boys, and he just went into, like, this spiel about, like, how to knock people out by kneeing them in the head. And then he was talking about how, like, whoever owns the mall, like, pays him so much money to sit there all day and sign autographs and this and that. So then, uh, then I ran into him again at a show here locally, and I had these little trading cards, and I was yeah. like, I was selling them for like a dollar and I was like, I'm going to go try to sell Virgil my trading card just because I can say, Hey, Virgil brought one of my trading cards. So 
I go over there and I'm like, hey, what's up, Virgil? Whatever. I'd say hi and this and that. And I'm like, hey, man. I was like, I got these really cool trading cards. You should just buy one for a dollar just to make me happy. And then he went into this whole spiel about, well, who are you? And I was like, you know. And then he's like, yeah, who are you? He's like, come talk to me when you're somebody. He's like, I sold out Madison Square Garden when I was 19 years old. He's like, come, come, come back and try to sell me something when you're somebody. Uh, see, this is a shame because this is just him being an absolute prick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bet part of you was like, you do us. I can actually knock you like the fuck out. <laughs> right. So that's what he, that's what he told me. That was a story. He told, he told me he sold out Madison Square Garden when he was 19 years old. Forget the supporting cast, you know, like Hogan and Andre. Yeah, and Ted. You know, and like, macho man. <laughs> they, all, they all don't matter. It was all Virgil, man. It was Virgil, man. It was Virgil. And... <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind the guy, though. Like, I think he's... He's deluded. You know, like, he's it's, Virgil. Like, it's just... I, I had to get this these stories, because I only heard briefly the last bit. Um, I think I didn't hear it properly, but now that I've got these stories on the podcast, I'm happy. Well, thank you for, heard... I'm joking. How, do you, do you, mate, if you've got more Virgil stories, I can oh, sit I here all evening. Um, <laughs> somebody, I forget who it is, they had a million-dollar belt. Yeah. This is kind of Virgil being a prick again. But he had, somebody had a million-dollar belt, and they were meeting Ted DiBiase. And he was having, like, Ted DiBiase sign it, and he's going to get a picture with him. So after Ted signs it, Virgil walks up and signs the belt and jumps in their picture. Like, just signs this dude's belt, didn't even ask, didn't, you know, he just walked over, hey, uh, signed his belt, jumped in the picture. I think that's about all the Virgil story, but. Man, <laughs> it's just, it's just strange. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm fascinated by him, but I'll be honest, if I, if I had to experience it, the meet and greet as a fan, and he did so, half the stuff he does to fans and loan of Virgil, I probably would tell him to F off by the end of it. And I think, okay, it's actually not as cute as I think it is, but because I've never actually met him. And I hear right. the stories, and I'm just fascinated by him. But I think if I actually experienced myself, I probably would have slapped him. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> He's the uh, – I think he carries around, like, his whole bank account in his pocket because he always has, like, a fat wad of cash. So he'd be the guy to rob if you're going to, you know, if you are going to smack him and jack somebody, you know. Rob Virgil. <laughs> we are joking, wanna, by the way. I want to wrestle Virgil. Mate, you should honestly you should get that streamed on Fight TV or something. Whoever I want to wrestle Virgil. Promoter can organize it. Book yeah. Idle Hines against Virgil. I, I need to see this. I, <laughs> I'll promote it. I'll plug the fuck out of it. I will literally <sighs> please promoters. There is a promoter out there right now that has listened to this episode. Book Virgil against Idle Hines. Please. Thank you. I mean, uh, I'll wrestle anybody too. So I mean, I'll wrestle anybody, but you know. Especially Virgil. <laughs> oh, cool, man, cool. Um, I've got a few more questions. Sorry, it's like the Virgil feed. Yeah, definitely, man. Brilliant, man. Um, because one of the, I think I started following you like early in the year, and I saw you look, and I, you know, bowed through you on YouTube, and think you've got like a really cool look. You, st- you stand out, especially in this day and age. Thank as well, you. Where I think a lot of wrestlers don't necessarily worry about the sort of the, how they look sometimes it's all about what they do in the ring in terms of the high fly and the spots which is great but I think everyone does it I want you if you can to explain to the listeners who exactly is Idle Hines as a wrestler perfect of 15 years since 2006 mm-hmm. and for a long time I tried to play by the rules play nicey nice mm-hmm. I tried to do what I was supposed to do and all that's really gotten me is bumps, bruises, medical bills, 
and I'm over it, really. Mm-hmm. Wrestling is an abusive relationship. It beats me down, you know, physically and mentally. It takes and takes from me, and I love it so much I can't leave it. So I'm at the point in my career that I'm ready to start taking back. I'm going to take back everything that I feel that wrestling owes me. People say wrestling doesn't owe you anything. That's bullshit. It owes me everything. Mm-hmm. I'm just waiting for the one one booking, the one opportunity that just puts me out there to where I can, you know, make a real name for myself and everybody knows who I am. I mean, I'm. that's where I went to, you know, that's why I've become the man who sold the world because I've given up so much for wrestling. I've basically given up, you know, the world and I'm done. I'm ready to ready to do something and take everything back. So if there's promoters or anybody out there listening, I'm just waiting for an opportunity. I felt every word that he just said there. And I, I know you tweeted when you quote tweeted when I advertised the episode that you had something to say and I felt like you addressed your point and I, you know, not just listeners but myself, I yeah, you know, I feel like there is a man who sold the world, as you just said, and explained why. And obviously I just hope once you've, you've after you've given so much, you can finally take it back. You know. So that's gonna happen. Um as we wind down this interview, so I felt that that was Papa. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> I, I mean it. I mean, oh no, I can. I, I, I'm not mad at all, man. I, I mean I, it. It's... I felt that, man. I felt that's that's one thing that's gotten me. People, one of my problems with people these days is a lot of people can't be honest. A lot of mm. people t- can't take criticism. Like just be honest. And I, a lot of people, I think there's a lot of people that don't like me because I'm so honest. Mm. Like I'll tell you what I think your face instead of going and telling everybody else behind your back i'm not really talking about anything specific or any certain instance just general yeah just in general like just be honest and i mean i'm just being honest no i respect that that makes sense no it absolutely does (laughs) i feel like that is a lost start and i feel especially in 2021 and like the the internet wrestling community like no one can take criticism anymore i mean if you're being a dickhead you're being a dickhead but like if you're just saying I did like this, and you explain why, they will still block you. Like, it's just, sorry, that this is my opinion, and I'm giving you a reason why I don't like it and what can be improved, but... If somebody has a problem with you mm-hmm. and they don't tell you, how can you fix it? Yeah. If, um, you know, it, even just, like, it goes to wrestling work, too. Like, if you're doing something that's not good or whatever, and then you come to the back and everybody's like, oh, good match, good match, good match. No. I want to know what I did wrong. I can yeah. take criticism. Like, I can't get better if you don't tell me what I did wrong. Yeah, you need to learn from your mistakes. That's, that's one thing wrestling's missing from, like, when I first started. Like, now I, a lot of, I mean, there are some shows when there's some, like, veterans that I respect, and I'll, you know, I'll ask, like, hey, what'd you think, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I used to come back through the curtain, and they'd be like, here, try this, this, and this, and they tell me what I did wrong. It's just, people have a hard time taking criticism these days, but. Yeah, man, that is, that's true. Um, gonna have one or two more last questions yeah but i feel yeah, like sure. i feel like i'm gonna get the answer already but i'm gonna ask it anyway uh but i'm gonna mix it do you have any dream opponents and opponents. i'm gonna say forward slash because i feel like bruiser brody might be one of the answers but is there <laughs> anyone in wrestling at the moment that you've got your eye on that you really want to face and fuck up you know <laughs> so i get into wrestling a bit <laughs> there's a uh 
there's a guy that's just starting to get out a little bit. Um, his name is Justin Kyle. I want to fight him. I mean, I want to fight everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to have a stage to, you know, prove myself. I just, I'm just waiting for that opportunity to come. Like I just haven't gotten, haven't gotten that opportunity. Who else? I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I really want to fight Jake something. If you go back to the older matches in Price of Glory, mm-hmm. he it was when he first was starting out. He was in a tag team, and me and Congo Kong, who was Osiris then, we wrestled him back then. I would like to wrestle him again. Now, there's actually a, there's a lot of guys that I wrestled when they were young and they were just starting out, and now they're you know really good and they're signed to. You know, they're actually signed to contracts and all that. I would like to wrestle them again. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I've been in matches with Myron Reed. Like, I'd like to wrestle him. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrestled Calvin Tankman at IWA Mid-South, like, six months into him starting. Who else? I'm trying to think of. Wrestled, uh, wrestled Braden Lee. Just all those all those young guys that were super, super green when I, when I, when, when I wrestled. I'm like, I want to wrestle now. Mm-hmm. I think we could do some good stuff. No, oh, awesome, mate. Um, just because I have spoken to uh, one other wrestler about it, and I think just because you mentioned it earlier, just before I officially go, because I can imagine it would be quite interesting for the listeners to hear about. I just wanted to ask, how long were you in the army for, if you don't mind me asking? Just go, I, mean, I spoke to Chili Willie about his time as well, and I did ask if it was right to speak about it. I mean, if you don't want to speak about it, that's not a problem at all, mate. No, I'm no, I'm, I'm an open book. Um, mm-hmm. I got out of high school when I was 18, obviously. I went in the Army when I was 18, and then I got out. I was active duty for four years, and then I went into the reserves for, like, another five, so it was about nine years. Nice. I respect that, mate. You know, you just know, anyone that's soon, sold. As soon as, I, as soon as I went into the Army when I was 18, I was like, screw this. I can't wait for my four years to be done. I want to wrestle. <laughs> So as soon as I got off active duty, that was the first thing that I was looking to do was to um, find a wrestling school. Like I was talking to different ones. I was emailing Lance Storm back and forth about his school. And then I found, I happened to go to a MMA fight and I ran into Dan Severn and I started talking to him. And then I found out that he had a wrestling school too. So then that's how that was only an hour away instead of all the way, you know, across the country in Calgary. Yeah. Would you say that it was seeing Virgil whilst you were in the army that inspired you to become the wrestler that you are today? No. No, no, no. I wanted to be a wrestler way before Virgil, man. Sorry, man. I had to to get that in. Actually, you know what? (laughs) I used to go to every every wrestling show that would come to town, like every WWF show. I think out of like my whole childhood, there was maybe like one or two that I missed. And I remember when Virgil just became a good guy and he was doing his feud with Million Dollar Man. He mm. came around and he clapped my hand and then I got this god-awful smell of <laughs> body odor. I was like, Virgil, deodorant, bro. <laughs> I really, I, I actually really remember that. <laughs> That's wicked. I remember, like, it was how do you spell man? V I R G I L. 
Mate, I, I, I love old school wrestling, man. Oh, it's been a, it's been a pleasure to finish, man. Honestly, I've really I appreciate enjoyed, it. Really enjoyed today's episode. It's been actually a bit longer than I expected, but I've had a good laugh. I've genuinely cracked up, like a, cracked up like a schoolgirl. But you know, <laughs> I like to make the podcast entertaining. As I said to you privately, I'm quite laid back. I don't try to take it too seriously. Um, we got over the delay. I think initially at the beginning there was a bit of a delay, but we overcame it, and yeah. I think it's been a good episode. Hello, everyone. I've got a special message for my next guest. I'm the man who sold the world Idle Hines, and I'm going to be on the What You Call It podcast. Yeah, heard. So what do you say is next for you? Um, the next show of significance I have right now is, it's called Chicago Land Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's October 16th. They have a, uh, it's basically like TV studio wrestling. I haven't got to work there yet. I was supposed to work there on the 21st, but it actually got canceled due to COVID and I had my shoulder issue anyways. But uh, yeah, I'm supposed to go back there October 16th. They're on Fight TV and Amazon Prime, I believe. Mm. Oh, awesome, man. Okay, and that's, the, that's the biggest place of significance I have right now. Um, I'm always looking for something. I'm always down as long as it's, you know, economically makes sense for me. No, wicked, mate. And where can the fans, or even the promoters that maybe listen to this, where can everyone find you on social media? Uh, my Facebook's Idle Hines. My Twitter's at Idle Hines. My Instagram's at Idle Hines. And my, what else do you want? <laughs> uh, pro Wrestling Tees? Yeah, I got a Pro Wrestling Tees. Um, I guess just search Idle Hines in the thing. Um, if you don't like me, somebody thought it was funny to put an Idle Hines suck shirt on there. So go ahead and buy that one up. Um, you, do you get the money, though, from that? If someone buys an Idle Hines sucks t-shirt? Yeah. <laughs> yeah <it's> going. <laughs> I mean, it's on my store. I love it. Did, um, the Dream Cluster Designs. If you do... Oh, no. If um, if you do want to book me or whatever, just DM mm. me. I'm really easy to get a hold of. Nah, sweet, man. Uh, I said, like, what did you ask me now? I'm sorry. Oh, no, sorry. I was going to say, sorry, I forgot about the delay. <laughs> uh, so what I was going to ask is the Dream Crusher designs on your Pro Wrestling Tea store. Was that designed by you? Uh-huh. Because I know you do uh, yeah. graphics designs as well. Well, I don't know if you still do, yeah. but I know you did before. Yeah, I have a, um, I actually have a bachelor's degree in graphic design from uh, Indiana University. Nice. So I do, I do all my own stuff. Um, I need to really like design some cool stuff to put on there since you can print any colors. Mm-hmm. A lot of the problems with T-shirts is it costs so much money to print more than one color most of the time. Mm-hmm. But they have like the digital printer or whatever, so I need to come up with some really cool designs to put on there. I just I'm busy, but yeah, check it no, out. Yeah. Nah, that's cool, man. I'm gonna put all the, the details in the description, so in case the fans didn't quite catch it, even though it's relatively quite easy what you said, how to find you. But I'll put it in the description anyway. I want to thank you for coming on today's episode. It's been an absolute blast. I've cracked up. I've learned about my, uh, I'm going to try that one again. I've learned more about you today and I have uh, stumbled along this, this outro, which is a real bad and shame because it's been a fun episode, but uh, whatever. There's going to be more episodes of what you call it podcast coming out very soon. But for now, I want everyone to take care and have a great, great fucking weekend. The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network. 
found exclusively at wrestlingwithjollers.com. 